0: Are few things on earth that generate more conversation than wine. For many, the thirst for wine knowledge becomes an obsession. We all know people who are passionate about sharing that knowledge and their opinions about wine. We call some of those folks sommeliers, wine aficionados, wine experts, wine gurus, and the most commonly used title, boring. Welcome to Grape Encounters. We love wine just as much as anyone else, but While we crave those special wines that are silky smooth and go down so easy, we find an awful lot of the conversations about wine pretty hard to swallow. There is one overriding premise here at Grape Encounters. Wine pairs best with life. Accordingly, your host David Wilson, his guests, and the rest of us on the team are here to show you a great time, how to have more fun with your wine, where to enjoy wine the most, How to immerse yourself into a wine lifestyle that isn't simply about wine. So let's dive into this week's edition of Grape Encounters. Oh, you'll learn plenty, but hopefully it will be knowledge that you can really use. Not like that Latin class you took in high school. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson.
1: It's time for your weekly Grape Encounter. And I tell you what, this week I have been completely and totally absorbed in the wine news. I could do like a 20-hour show and not cover all of the subjects that I find interesting in the news. And and by the way, our our announcer, Brantanamo, is here. Hi, David. But your dog barked at me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I do have, by the way, I've never told listeners this, but I have a little dog that sits here in the studio with me and he is so incredibly cool his name is Henry I rescued him from my parents because they're getting old and they're just not able to take care of him and he's a little Maltese And he's really, he's a sturdy little guy, and he's a tough little guy, and he got attacked about a year ago by coyotes. Oh, man. Yeah, they tore him up pretty bad. So that's why he's a little, still gets a little aggressive sometimes, he's a little skittish. Well, I'm sure that my sneaker looked like a coyote. But get this, he can actually, this is the truth, okay? (laughs) He can actually sit on a bar stool in the wine bar for at least three hours, and he'll just sit on the stool. And he's like a pretty good-sized dog. He's pretty close to 20 pounds, I would say. No kidding. He was 15 when I got him, but I put five pounds on him. But anyway, he sits on the stool, and we have some customers that come in, and they give him nibbles. Right. That's, That's probably
0: it. what keeps him on the stool is he yeah. knows that stools out. some kind of really great reward for him. Exactly.
1: Yeah. All right. So uh, let's get into the news. And the thing that I think is most interesting about the stories that have really captured my attention this past week or so is the fact that I've been reporting on these stories for a really long time. And, you know, it's not like this is news stuff. I will say this, that, you know, most of the stories that I'm going to talk about today are things – that i haven't talked about in a really long time some of them were theories that i have that have now been proven true stuff like that did you hate that like when you have a great idea and then somebody else comes along and they get it out there and you know it's like you go why didn't i patent that or why didn't i do something about that
0: well i'm thinking about what is it in the in the day and age that all of a sudden the things that you're thinking about now are being published in the news what is what's causing
1: somebody the russians the russians the russians are getting into my head (laughs) somehow they have somehow uh maybe they implanted something when i wasn't looking i did go to russia two years ago
0: is that right so maybe
1: uh and i did fall asleep there so i don't know It's, anyway, no, it's Were not. With their cameras room? yeah, the I'll tell room, you what you the, the worst wine that you can drink on planet Earth is Russian wine. I'm like sorry, it. and I don't want to, you know, I don't want some secret agent to take me out because I said that. Yeah, but you got to be careful. I, I bought a bottle of what appeared to be Cabernet Sauvignon in St. Petersburg, and I brought it back, right? And then I have some Russian friends, and they have they're part of this big musical group in uh, in Russia. They're an a uh, cappella corral. Is that wow. what you call them? Corrals? Yeah,
0: a corral would be a group of
1: Okay, not a corral singers. like you put your horses in. Anyway, that's so the okay corral. So uh, they were with me, and I, I showed them this bottle that I had purchased, and I, and I was I said, I can't really translate it, but I think something here says Cabernet Sauvignon. And they go, oh, yeah, it's Cabernet Sauvignon and flowers. What? Flowers, fermented flowers. In the cab? Yes. They can do that? D- they could do whatever they want. Well, that's, that's a, true. That's
0: Russia, uh, right?
1: Isn't that r- crazy. Do you know that Vladimir Putin, Here's a, a really nice tidbit. Vladimir Putin has a really major wine-growing estate. Where do you think it's at? Probably not Russia. Not, I, nor, not, I, not North Korea either. I'm going
0: to guess Napa.
1: No. No. <laughs> no. That wouldn't go over well, would it? <laughs> well, I don't oh, who know. Who knows in these days so, day and know, age. There's a lot of these no, uh, it's, hidden owners. It's, it's, it's actually in Spain. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, and that's a good it's region. It's in
1: Spain. Yeah, and then here's the really interesting thing is I was told – I can't confirm this, but I was told by somebody who is from the country Moldova – That And and by the way, they have these incredible, incredible wine caves in Moldova. They used to be quarries where they they would take out stone and material to build houses. But there's a network of caves, get this, that goes on for hundreds of miles. There are two-lane roads down underneath the ground in Moldova, and they are lined completely with wine. It might be the biggest cache of wine on the entire planet. As a matter of fact, there may actually be more wine underground in Moldova than there is on the rest of the planet. Well, who collects this stuff? Well, they're just you know there there are some big wineries there, and for whatever reason, Moldovan wines don't make it to America. I've yet I've yet to see one. Yeah. And by the way, if any listener has a Moldovan wine, let me know, and maybe I'll fly out and we'll share it together. <laughs> How's that sound? Yeah,
0: I've had Austrian wine.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're common. but really good. Yeah, they're really common. But Moldova makes some amazing wines. And by the way, every Moldovan family has a wine cellar. Even if you have a little, tiny little house, you're supposed to – it's like a part of – it's a cultural thing. It's like having a toilet. You have to have – well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's cultural, right? Yeah. But you you have to have a, a wine cellar.
0: How about Italy? Isn't that also the case? That you have
1: to have a wine cellar? Pretty much. In Italy, I heard I, that just about well, everybody I, I, produces. I haven't that. heard that. I, I, can't, I can neither confirm or deny. Oh. Mm-hmm. But I just will tell you that in Moldova, they have – and they're really cute little wine caves that they have there. So anyway, they, they – they, and a lot of these families, by the way, they make their own wine. But my point was, and I guess I strayed. I'm known to do that. That's strain. Strain, yeah. That's uh-huh. why you should never drink wine while doing a radio show, which I'm not, by the way. I'm drinking. What am I drinking yeah. here? Uh, looks like
0: uh, batteries. I'm
1: drinking batteries. <laughs> I've got my I've got my wine cup filled with batteries because my mouse was dying. <laughs> So anyway, that's, that's how I get all my energy. But anyway, the Moldovan Caves, down in the Moldovan Caves. And they go on for miles and miles and Oh, miles. yeah. You can spend days down there. And these are commercial wines? or these... Uh, oh. Well, they're commercial wines. There's some really huge wineries there that make a bunch of commercial wines. I've got dog hair on my microphone. <laughs> what the heck? Henry! I gave Henry a bath last night. That's, he, he had the zoomies afterwards. That was fantastic. Anyway, but, but they also store and take... Care care of people's wine and guess whose wines are stored in the Moldovan cave
0: I would have to guess Moldovans <laughs> no you you weren't listening earlier <laughs> Well, could Vladimir, it, Putin, Vladimir Putin. Vladimir
1: Putin's wine.
0: Oh, did you hear the bark? Yes, he's it, he's it, awakened. The minute
1: I said Vladimir Putin, he
0: barked. That's right. I think there was something political. Wow, there. that's crazy, <laughs>
1: Henry. Anyway, yeah, Vladimir Putin. He stores his wine down in the Moldovan wine caves.
0: Interesting, isn't that cool? And, I mean, and it goes know, on for cool. miles and miles. And oh miles. yeah,
1: I don't know how many miles of wine Vladimir has, but. Uh, The reason that they're stored down there, by the way, there is a reason, and that is because the temperature is perfect there.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Now, I don't know about in Moldova, but if you go over to places like the south of France, there are places where they have caves and they grow mushrooms down there. In the caves. I've heard now, that. No, I'm sorry. I said south of France. I've got to correct myself. The Loire Valley.
0: The Loire Valley,
1: yes. The Loire Valley. V- what was that? South of France. Not no, really, yeah. Not really. Not yeah. so much. Yeah. 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 I, I said that because somebody just came back from the south of France and they were telling me stories. Anyway, that I digress. Yes. I, I'm allowed to make a mistake once in a while. <laughs> and I'm not afraid to admit when I really screwed up.
0: I think you've admitted it more than once. Yeah. Like, and at I, least in my and opinion. And I could
1: have, because I could have sat here and just defended south of France as being one of the great wine cave places in the world. But anyway, no, I went into some caves in the Loire Valley. I was bicycling. I bicycled the whole Loire Valley.
0: Now, how many chateaus did you visit while you were on
1: oh, I Oh, quite a lot. Yeah. Quite a lot. But it was really hot during that trip. I mean, steaming hot. And so I couldn't wait to go down into those caves where it's really, really cool. Yeah. You think you're going to cool off in the caves? You're not. Not? It's, no, because even though it's cool down there, like, say, 56, 58 degrees, could be 100 plus outside, they're steaming.
0: Oh, humid in there. They're humid. Wow, e-
1: even even at that temperature.
0: Well, I guess you have to do that in order to grow mushrooms. You do have think, to have some sort of moisture in there.
1: Well, I don't think that they have humidifiers in there. It
0: just it's natural. It's just natural when they yeah. water the dirt. Well, yeah. Well, the dirt's got yeah. you know water in it. Yeah.
1: All right, Brentonimo, we haven't got into a single story yet.
0: I know we're terrible. I know, but boy, did we
1: impart some amazing information. Well, I learned
0: there. a lot about Moldavia. Moldavia. Dhar- oh, yeah.
1: All right, we're going to be back with more Grape Encounters. I'm going to leave it to Brentonimo to take us out.
0: Do you ever wonder what goes on in the Grape Encounter studio while you're listening to the commercial break? Research. Yeah, that's what we do, research. You can never do too much research. We like to talk about wine.
2: The Oregon Wine Experience's Founders Barrel Auction on Friday, August 23rd, is an afternoon of elegance. Sample wine futures from authentic Wine Cellars, Hewitt Cellars, Laurel Ridge Winery, Left Coast Estate, Russell Prayer Rock Vineyards, Stone Griffin Vineyard, Vulcan Cellars, plus many more. The action takes off as you bid on the opportunity to win a case or the whole barrel of Oregon's finest wines. Go to theoregonwineexperience.com to purchase tickets. The Oregon Wine Experience, it's everything Oregon.
0: Free trade chocolate covered walnuts. And for bakers, MM Organics produces 100% gluten free walnut flour, estate walnut oil, and of course, their crazy delicious raw walnuts. Get all their products online at mmorganics.com. That's mmorganics.com.
1: Nestled right in between two world-class wine countries, Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the perfect gateway to nearly endless wine country adventures. Cozy and oh-so-friendly, make historic Atascadero home base for adventures to hundreds of surrounding wineries, the nearby Pacific, and magical Hearst Castle, plus an amazing array of attractions from zip lining to delectable dining discover all that affordable Atascadero has to offer at visitatascadero.com
0: Welcome back to Grape Encounters Radio. Since we aren't a TV show, we'd love for you to see and learn more about our incredible wine country town. Check out visitatascadero.com Once you see how good we've got it, Maybe you'll plan a trip to see us in person.
1: Back with Grape Encounters Radio. Hey, Brentonimo, do you know how many people actually do come visit us here in Atascadero? have no idea. It's amazing. People will come and they'll just show up because we've got the wine bar here. They show up and they'll be like from South Dakota or Chicago or... You know all kinds of really interesting places, places I've never heard of. They just come and they'll kind of stay in the wine bar for hours. It's really, it's really interesting. But most of the time, you, they don't even call me or you know drop me a note because you can you can reach me online. But most people don't do that. They don't say I'm coming out. You know June 26th. They just show up and then they want to talk a lot, and I'm happy to do
0: it. Well, I know that oftentimes the hotels in Paso Robles get booked up, and they want to come over to a Tascadero.
1: Yeah, but I'm just talking about our fans. But just
0: ju- just fans.
1: Yeah, man. I love it. I appreciate that so much, you guys. And let's make it a really big summer, so come on out here. Anyway, our announcer, Brentonimo, you're more than an announcer. You're a winemaker. And and this is a really interesting topic Now we're going to get into. This is one that I used to go off on a lot. I sort of changed my attitude about this because I sort of jumped over the fence. But now I'm sort of changing my attitude again. In life, things evolve, Right. Like, I didn't originally like the Rolling Stones. Now I love them. Really? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, you I know what like I still don't like? I didn't that. like David Bowie. Now it's like, I, yeah. I, I love his music. You know, just what happens. By the way, do I sound terrible? Do you know I had pneumonia?
0: You have pneumonia? No,
1: I don't have it anymore. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm, it's clearing up now. I had to take some antibiotics. Man, I felt terrible.
0: But you look great. I know I do, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah no,
1: but I know, but I really felt terrible. I had pneumonia for like two weeks. Now, we took a, a hiatus last weekend. We did a best of last weekend, which was one of my favorite shows. You know, it was Memorial Day weekend, and not as many people listening to radio. They're out, you know,
0: suntanning and stuff, right? Uh, except, it see, rain, except it, it rained like the dip here. It did. It rained, and it was cold, I went unusually unusual. I went
1: so. to a blues festival <laughs> that featured, get this, it featured Eric Burden and the animals, and then Little Feet. Wow. Both, you know, performers for 50 years. A lot of fun. Got rained on until the, the show actually started. But anyway, I want to talk about wine competitions. There is a story that was in winebusiness.com. And I want to give proper credit to the author because it's not my story. It's Carl Giovanti. And he starts out in the story by saying this. He says, I'm getting pushback from my clients, not on sending wines for review, but for submitting them to competitions. I agree with this in principle as the number of wine competitions has proliferated over the last 10 years as have the number of medal categories and wines awarded. Anyway, he says, let's examine two issues, the increased number of competitions and awards and lay out some consideration to help inform your decisions. Anyway, this is a subject that... I have very mixed emotions about, and I'll tell you that I flip-flop on it, or I have flip-flopped on it, and I'm about to flip-flop again. And it it goes this way. And I want to point out, by the way, uh, Brentonimo here is a winemaker too, and you recently
0: won a gold medal, right? I won a gold medal at At the California Mid-State Fair. a Very, very important competition, It's a home winemaker competition, but still. Why did you tell people that for? Well, I just felt that I needed to be a little more modest in my life. But uh, no, what's great about home winemaking is these people are the future winemakers. And this way, judges can tell you what they think your flaws are and what you need to improve in order to come up to the level. So um, are you
1: saying that they actually give you comments?
0: Oh, yes. Oh,
1: see, they don't do that in the big competitions for you know, professional
0: winemakers. No, this one, they have uh, a, a sheet with, that's loaded with what kind of flaws that you may taste and what the age of that wine could be. Uh, it, it's really something. So in, in the major competitions, they
1: don't do that. They just issue an award. But here's where it gets kind of crazy. The competitions have to make money. And the way they make money is through entry fees. It might cost $100. It might cost $200 to enter each bottle of wine.
0: And then on top of that, you probably have to issue send two a, cases. A, yeah, two cases. Two or cases like of that. wine. Yeah. yeah. So
1: you got to give them a bunch of wine plus the entry fee. So you're you're in it for five hundred bucks maybe easily, right? And if you give very few medals, there's a very good chance you're going to turn off people. And they're going to say it's too hard to get a medal at competition X Y Z, so I'm not going to do it. On the other hand, if you give too many medals, then it starts to really dilute the importance of that competition. Right,
0: and it looks like some kind of participation trophy.
1: So I have judged for a number of years now. But before I became a judge, I used to really poo-poo wine competitions. And I would just say, you know, these medals are essentially meaningless. And I based that on the fact that I would drink wines that had received a gold medal at some competition and it, they weren't that good. They weren't all that I'm good. I'm going, come on, I think I have a decent enough palate that I can tell good from not good. But as I got involved in the competitions, a strange thing happened, which was I would sit around in a panel of, say, you know, five, even seven people, and we would taste these wines in the blind. And then once we got through what would, might be 10 wines or 12 wines at a time in a different, you know, particular classification, we would then have discussion and we would offer up our score. Let's, and every competition is different, but let's just say they have a hundred point score. It was very interesting to me that generally speaking, as you went around the table, the scores were pretty consistent. Let's say within five or 10. Now, if somebody was really super low on a wine, then there would be discussion. And generally speaking, the person who was low would say, okay, I'll move it up to a silver medal. It's almost like if you're on the low side in a competition, you're much more apt to go up than somebody who's on the upside going down. So in this article, they actually talk about the fact that that is, in fact, the case. That there's a tendency after conversation to raise your score a bit based on the peer pressure around the table. What do you think about
0: that? Well, that that doesn't sound like a really good way to judge wine. I mean, what my experience is that they sit and count up flaws. They identify flaws in your wine and then... And ding you for that Better than flies in your wine flies.
1: (laughs) So they quote, by the way, in this story A study back in 2008 by Roger Hodgson He's a professor at Cal State Humboldt Who studied the performance of wine judges At the California State Fair commercial wine competition Then he published his report I had Hodgson on my show several years ago regarding this study. It was really, really super interesting what he had to say. But if you want to know what he had to say, you're going to have to wait because we're going to go to a commercial break right at the moment. And then we'll be back with more grape encounters. Hey, sitting with me is my sidekick, Brent He's our announcer. Sometimes we let you talk. <laughs>
0: Occasionally, well,
1: you you know that's all right. Somebody like came it. in the other day to the wine bar. And they said, "Who is that guy with the sexy voice?" And he's is he in there in the studio with you? Well, yeah, he's right here, right here. There he right is. With all right, dog. all right. We're going to be back with more grape encounters right after this.
0: David will be back with more grape encounters in a couple of minutes, which means there simply isn't enough time for him to enjoy more than a sip or two of one of his faves. Oh, the sacrifices we make in the broadcasting business. Summertime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine More.
1: If you're topping off your burger with grilled onions and blue cheese, pair your work of art with a spicy mile back.
2: Nothing beats a buttery Chardonnay with grilled corn on the cob. I'm ready to find you the perfect bottle of white for your next get together. Pack up the cooler for this weekend. We've got canned wine and beer ready to throw on ice. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this summer at Total wine More. Cheers!
1: I want to take this opportunity to tell you about the wines of Peak Ranch. I recently discovered these truly amazing wines that are raking in top honors from the wine press. What I didn't initially realize is that I had a very strong connection to these perfectly crafted Pinots, Syrahs, Chardonnays, and more. Remarkably, these wines are produced by my very best friend from the first grade, John Wagner. Now, I have to say that John has always one-upped me in almost everything he does, and these extraordinary wines are no exception. Made from grapes grown on one of California's most historic Central Coast properties, there is no other word to describe them than perfect. Peak Ranch is doing everything right. Amazing wines that will absolutely astound you. Buy them online at peakranch.com. That's P E A K E ranch.com.
2: Savor Oregon's finest wines at the Oregon Wine Experience's Grand Tasting on Sunday, August 25th. Work your way through the tasting tables and enjoy an array of delicious culinary bites. Don't miss this special opportunity to sample wines from all corners of Oregon in one unique location. The wine pours start at 2 p.m. Plan your experience today. Go to com to purchase tickets. The Oregon Wine Experience, it's everything Oregon.
0: Welcome back to Grape Encounters, where we believe there's no way to fake a great wine, and where we never fake our disdain for the really bad ones.
1: Back with Grape Encounters Radio and sitting with me, our announcer, more than an announcer, winemaker, an actor, actor... A director.
0: You know the An differ- author. You know the difference between... Rentonimo. An- I didn't get your name out oh, there. Oh, okay. You know the difference between an actor and a pizza? No. A pizza can feed a family of four. Oh, jeez. Oh, gosh. I was talking in the last segment about
1: this study by uh, Robert Hodgson back in 2008. I actually had him on my show. He's a professor from Cal State Humboldt. Anyway, uh, talking about the fact that he studied the performance of wine judges at the California State Fair competition. And anyway, in this uh, article by Carl Giovante in WineBusiness.com, he goes on to say um, that his exhaustive analysis looked at judge consistency in reevaluating the same wines and concordance of results across multiple competitions. Anyway, they said the net results were that neither judge consistency or wine scores are reliable or consistent. They concluded that perfect judges do not exist. Judges are biased after discussion. And that's what I was saying. When you have a discussion, it generally they'll their change, point of view. change yeah. the point of view. That male judges are as good as female judges. I don't even know why that was important. Of course they are. Although female judges, I think, often are better because they tend to have more taste buds. Well, I think uh, women do have better palates than men too. Oh, and then this part, which I just said. I said in the last segment, judges tend to increase their scores after discussion. You know, nobody wants to. Nobody wants to tank. Another. Uh, nobody wants to tank a winemaker. No. You know, it's because, you know, they paid a lot of money to get there. And when in doubt, you go up, you don't go down.
0: Well, and what's the purpose of being there for the winemaker?
1: Well, they, they need the scores. They need the publicity. They need the publicity. Right. And they want to be able to put a sticker on the bottle that says it's a gold medal. Right. By and large, I'm going to say this, that those stickers are meaningful. But I'm also going to tell you that you should really look at the big competitions. And you can go Google what those are, but there are many of them. Like out here in California, the San Francisco Chronicle Competition, the LA International Competition, the Denver Wine Competition, there's a bunch of them out there. There's many, many of them, but the, there are the big ones that get the great judges and they're not as easily convinced to give out you know, gold medals as others. I think wine competitions should have to – Publish. what percentage of the total entrants received gold, silver, and bronze. would well, that be a good would,
0: idea? That would take a little bit of the wind out of their sails, though, wouldn't it? Well, I suppose.
1: But, you know, the, the other thing to remember is this, is that if you're a winemaker and you're smart, you're not going to enter a crummy wine into a competition.
0: That's just self-defeating. Well, here's, here's a question – Boutique wineries, I think, are far more interesting than the big, big guys. What? I'm drinking the
1: batteries. Drinking batteries. Did you That's see what r- I did? Yes, you did. I grabbed a, a glass of water during the break and I had this cup full of batteries and I'm drinking.
0: I'll bet you that really charged you. I'm drinking you up. the
1: batteries. <laughs> Holy smoke. I mean, mouth is so dry from, you know, taking medication for the stupid, you know, pneumonia. Mm-hmm. that's silly
0: yeah. anyway I, I feel good today so though. anyway a boutique for me boutique wineries are, are far more interesting in what they do than than some of the big guys so how many boutique uh wineries actually submit to these big competitions
1: i think quite a few really i do i do and they're you know what and those boutique wines are standout wines
0: often yeah they really the they, they really are yeah.
1: All right. We're gonna go from the ground to the sky. Ah. I just had a opportunity to do some flying, doing a little business, which I'm. I can't tell anybody what I'm up to, but I'm up to something really exciting. I'm not gonna tell.
0: Okay. I think you well, know. It's, it's, I, think, I think it's bad luck. If I you think tell.
1: I think you know what it yeah. is, but I'm not gonna tell anybody. But anyway, I was uh, in the air, and one of the things that I have been very intrigued by is the fact that on airplanes, the wines just keep getting better and better and better and better. As a matter of fact, I can remember back, like maybe it was 10, 15 years ago, you would get on an airplane and you would get the cheapest, crummiest little bottle, one of those little silly bottles, and they were smaller then too. Now they're giving you a bigger bottle. It's a little more money. Yeah. But the airlines are going to great lengths to supply really good quality wine on their planes. Why do you think that's the case? The, the, the case is that, that people are actually choosing airlines based on factors like that. And it's so interesting when you think about it because um, you go onto an airplane now or I should say you book a, a flight now and they ding you for everything. Everybody knows that. I mean, now even a carry-on, you're going to pay $35 for on a lot of airlines. It's ridiculous. If you want to just choose a seat, ah, it's another ding, ding, $65. But wine is a different story. In fact, some of those wines that they're selling on the airplane are better than you might get at a restaurant. Really high quality. And, and what they really call this is sommeliers in the sky. Hmm. And there's actually a competition for the best wine selection on airplanes. No kidding. Yes indeed. And and they say that especially in first class that the passengers actually select the airplane based on the wine that they're serving in the cabin. Is that nutty? R-
0: truly truly. I mean, yeah. I, that is actually true, huh?
1: Yeah, it's actually true. And I remember the days when I would just bring a bottle of wine on a plane. It would just be in my bag, you know, and get a really long straw. No, I would just <laughs> – I would carry a, a wine bottle in my bag and I would just pour uh, glass after glass if I was on a long trip. They
0: let but, you do that? Well, that
1: was before the whole 9-11 thing. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You know, they,
1: right. Nobody cared about liquids on a plane then. Right. And anyway, so I would do that. Anyway, I got some of this information from a story in The Observer. And here's what they say. This is a really recent article, last couple of days. In the first class cabin, the relative quality of wine service can be tremendous value add. For some flyers, this alone determines loyalty to one airline carrier over another. Here's a quote. I could never fly American, says Mike McGrath, a Newark-based NBC production manager and business traveler. In my experience, they just don't take wine as seriously as Delta. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think the consistently chop-rated carrier is where wine is concerned? Air France. No. No. You know, I I just flew Air France to Bordeaux, it uh, was a year and a half ago or something like that. The, it's, it's gotten better. But I remember a trip to France on Air France where they brought the. This is when they used to bring food trays. They don't yeah. do that anymore, right? You could get a box. Those snack, were one. Yeah. And snack. they throw Well, crackers actually, no, on them. international flights, they'll give you a food tray. I shouldn't say that. Well, oh, that's good. I remember they brought this these trays out, and there was this thing on the tray, and it was literally gray. I I don't know what it was. It was kind of like a souffle, a gray souffle. A
0: gray souffle, that rhymes.
1: And when they were going and picking all the trays up, you know, that gray thing, nobody even touched it. Nobody was even going to put that in their mouth. I don't know what it was. Anyway, but you know what I like about international flights is they'll they'll just pour from a bottle, a real bottle, and they're not going to charge you for it, you know, as we do here in America. But anyway, uh, most consistently – Delicious wine comes from who? Boy, you got me on that one. I got you on that one? Wow. Okay, so this is going to surprise you.
0: Think down under. Australia. New Zealand. Qantas. Qantas. Ah, okay. Is
1: that still down under?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's down under. Yeah, that's down. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. They are constantly awarded with the top honors for the best wine service in the sky. And I read in this article uh, this I didn't I knew that, but I didn't know that they have like 300 wine professionals that they disperse amongst their flights.
0: No kidding. They're yeah. like they're like sky marshals for wine. There's
1: there's sommeliers in the sky. Uh-huh. Isn't that great?
0: That is, and and actually that does increase their business by having good wine.
1: Going up with the psalm in the sky, (laughs) it's what I'm going to drink. No, I'm not going to say that. Okay. (laughs) All right, we're going to be back with more Grape Encounters right after this.
0: Sometimes drinking wine makes you just want to curl up in a comfy chair and dream about puppy dogs, faraway places, and other happy thoughts. Or you can just enjoy that cuvee in your glass and lose yourself in the conversation on Grape Encounters Radio.
2: Time tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total
1: Winamore. Nothing beats beers and burgers, and with so many to choose from, we've got the perfect cold one
2: waiting for you. Serving up salads at your cookout this weekend? Add a dry rose to the table for a perfect pairing. When I'm the barbecue grill master, I've got to have a cold lager in my hand. Hey, grab me another! Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this summer at Total Winamore. <laughs> Cheers!
1: Nestled right in between two world-class wine countries, Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the perfect gateway to nearly endless wine country adventures. Cozy and oh-so-friendly, make historic Atascadero home base for adventures to hundreds of surrounding wineries, the nearby Pacific, and magical Hearst Castle, plus an amazing array of attractions from zip-lining to delectable dining. Discover all that affordable Atascadero has to offer at visitatascadero.com. I want to take this opportunity to tell you about the wines of Peak Ranch. I recently discovered these truly amazing wines that are raking in top honors from the wine press. What I didn't initially realize is that I had a very strong connection to these perfectly crafted Pinots, Syrahs, Chardonnays and more. Remarkably, these wines are produced by my very best friend from the first grade, John Wagner. Now, I have to say that John has always one-upped me in almost everything he does, and these extraordinary wines are no exception. Made from grapes grown on one of California's most historic Central Coast properties, there is no other word to describe them than perfect. Peak Ranch is doing everything right. Amazing wines that will absolutely astound you buy them online at peakranch.com. That's P-E-A-K-E ranch.com.
0: People often ask, why hasn't someone tarred and feathered Grape Encounter's host, David Wilson, for breaking so many of the old rules? Simple. No one likes the old rules.
1: It is the home stretch of Grape Encounters Radio. Sitting with me, our announcer, who you just heard, Brentonimo. I needed somebody to bounce some of these stories off of. I'm so glad
0: you came out of the announcer booth. I'm happy to do it. I'm even wearing a catcher's mask for those oh, things I tell that you. come bouncing.
1: Well, there are all these stories that came out the last week or so, some of them really, really, just rehashes. Of things that I've been talking about for years and as we wrap up the show I want to get into the subject of wine and personality now there was a story that came out in market watch okay I guess it's a uh, the companion to the stock show market watch yes and that story got picked up by so many especially television stations I was really surprised And what they were saying was stuff I've been saying for a long time. Can I sue MarketWatch? Why would I do that? Why would you do that? Oh, that's right. Because I can go and I can get my stories, my old stories, and say, hey, wait a second. I've been talking about this for seven or eight years now, right? Exactly. All right. So this story that got picked up big time, but I, I want to talk about it from a little bit different angle because everybody just repeated the story verbatim for the most part. Anyway, headline is the one weird difference between red and white wine. Drinkers and really, what they're getting into is the relationship between personality and wine. But they draw some conclusions in this story that I think are really pretty crazy. You know, I have to disagree with it. It Says they say you are what you drink. White wine and biber's tend to be more frugal and extroverted than red wine drinkers. A survey suggests. Now, now, why is that? Well, because white wine's cheaper. And if you like white wine better than red wine, then it's going to cost you less money. Which makes a, you... A bottle of Chardonnay is like, you know, a third or maybe a half the price of a Cabernet.
0: Well, I can see that that would make you more frugal, but I don't see where that would make you more extroverted. Oh, oh, you read ahead. I, well, I, you know you just read that to me.
1: Well, I don't know. I, I can see why you might be more extroverted because if you're a red wine drinker, you're more likely to be conservative it's just a conservative thing but it's very different and I and I would say it this way that just because I like white wine and just because white wine is cheaper than red wine doesn't mean I'm more frugal I'm gonna go spend the money on something else maybe right but the reason and I don't know that everybody really really this is not something that y- your head would go to automatically and it's as simple as this red wine for the most part is going to be aged in a barrel and that barrel is is bloody expensive. It is maybe $1,200. It could be $2,000. And that price has to be amortized over every single bottle of wine that is bottled from that barrel. Whereas white wine, with a couple of exceptions, like Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay and not all Chardonnay and not all Sauvignon Blanc, most white wines aren't barrel aged or they're just aged in neutral barrels. That are that are inexpensive. Mm-hmm. You know, they're barrels that are essentially worn out.
0: Yeah, they're, they're eight great, or nine years old. They're
1: great for aging, but they're not imparting flavor into the wine. But they're breathable, and that's why we put wine in barrels. So by nature, white wines are cheaper than red wines.
0: To produce.
1: So to just say, well, people who drink white wine are more frugal than red wine drinkers is kind of silly to me. Anyway, they said that nearly 45% of red wine drinkers consider themselves wine aficionados compared to 31% of white wine drinkers. Now, that I would probably say makes sense. You want to know
0: why? Because red wine drinkers are just far more serious, right?
1: Well, it's not just that. Yeah, they are. But white wine, in my opinion, I'm like, I'm going to take some flack for this. Yeah, I just you are. I can I, see it can coming. You can see I'm winding up right now. I can now. see it coming. I'm putting on my catcher's mask right now. I'm going to take some flack for this white wine's more forgiving. You're much less likely if you randomly grabbed 10 white wine bottles out of 500, and you did the same with red, you'd be much more satisfied, generally speaking, with your 10 white wine bottles than the red wine person would be with their 10 red wine bottles. And it's because it's easy to screw up red wine. And white wine, I think, is more forgiving.
0: And what, is it simpler then?
1: Well, yeah, it is simpler. It is simpler. You know, there's a major element that's missing, which is the tan. You know, and tannin pay, plays such a big part. That's the part that makes your mouth dry up for those who are kind of new to wine. If you ever want to know what tannin is, just grab your deodorant stick, okay? Touch your finger to it. I'm not trying to poison you, but <laughs> no, touch your finger to it and then and then touch it to your tongue. Your tongue's going to go
0: like that. Do not try this at home. No,
1: I do. I tell people to do this <laughs> all the time. Are you kidding me? In the wine bar, I have a, a deodorant stick in there.
0: Oh, you're to, kidding. To
1: illustrate tannin. Old Spice. <laughs> no less. Old spice. Wow. Yeah, and, and by the way, not a deodorant stick, an antiperspirant. Yes. Not deodorant, Not that's just that's just fragrance. Mm-hmm. Okay? You got some of you really need to make sure you get antiperspirant. But anyway, the antiperspirant will dry up your tongue and you'll get the that sense of tannin. So there are more things to balance or it's a more complicated wine, mm-hmm. generally speaking. But I do think that people who are more casual wine drinkers probably are white wine drinkers. But I love great red wines myself. But I've been drinking a lot of white wine lately.
0: Do you drink a lot of white wine? I try to drink a lot of white wine. But uh, usually all the reds that I have are just so great that uh, it's hard for me to, to go and try to approach a white wine. Okay, now here's an interesting. Because I'm going to be disappointed. Really? Yeah, truly. It, it it for me, it's a little bit. So
1: it's not as forgiving for you. Yeah. I, I got to wrap it up, but here's a, here's the last thing I wanted to share in here in, in this article from Market Watch. They said a separate study from the Journal of Wine Economics did a blind tasting of more than six thousand wines to see if there was a correlation between price and overall rating, and found that people typically weren't even able to tell if the wine they were drinking was expensive and it was they actually liked it less. Wow, they like six thousand people liked the expensive wine less, less than the cheap wine. Wow, I don't know what that's. Yeah, all right. So I I want you all to write me on this one. Yeah, get 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 me your opinions.
0: You're gonna get some mail. So on yeah, that.
1: I want some emails from you. You know, throw your ideas out there because I'd really like to know what you all think of this. It's David at Grape Encounters Radio. I'm giving you my personal email. I guess you could have guessed it, right? Actually, you could just send it to David at Grape Encounters. David at Grape Encounters. Tell me your theory on why people like cheap wine better than expensive <laughs> wine. I'm going to get into that next week, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week's Grape Encounters Radio. Brentonamo, take
0: us out. Well, this episode of Grape Encounters is in the bag. It's hard to imagine you haven't missed some episodes, so why not hunt them down at grapeencounters.com? or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast sites. Grape Encounter Studios are located in beautiful Atascadero, California. That's Central Coast wine country, baby. Come visit us, but be warned, you won't want to leave. That's okay, we have a spare bedroom, but it's 55 degrees and full of old bottles.